We turn now to our gospel lesson from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Hear these words of scripture. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We spent much of yesterday in the car. Maybe you did as well. Driving around, doing errands, delivering our third church Christmas basket, obtaining our Christmas tree and annual tradition from Troop 31 right outside this door, shopping and stopping and shopping and stopping and shopping some more, maybe a trip to the post office in the meantime. And in the background, whether we were in the car or at home, there was a continual soundtrack of Christmas music. Some of it sacred, some of it secular. Hark how the bells, sweet Christmas bells or come they told me, or have a holly jolly Christmas, or here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. There was, of course, Mariah Carey belting out, all I want for Christmas is you, which is, I now think, the contemporary standard for Christmas music. We, we tried to get Mariah Carey here this morning. She couldn't make it, but I'll take Vivaldi any day anyway. <laughs> and so many more songs. You have your favorites. The music was enough to put us in a kind of a festive mood, a joyful, hopeful mood. It was great. And here comes John the Baptist to burst that bubble. 
You brood of vipers, he calls his audience. Crowds are following him, many of them wanting to be baptized by him. John must have not received the memo from the Don't Alienate Your Audience Committee. Rather than nurturing language or welcoming language or hospitable language, he tears into the crowd, you brood of vipers. It's not what we would write on a Christmas card, is it? It's not how we would greet our coworkers at our office Christmas party, you brood of vipers. And then he tells them to go and bear good fruit, to repent. And if they don't, to be ready to be cut down like a tree unless their lives demonstrated the kind of ethical value behavior that only the Spirit can make happen. John was saying to them, you have a choice. You can live a life of faithfulness or be treated like the chaff and tossed aside to be burned into the fire while the good wheat is used to bake delicious bread. They had a choice. We have a choice. We can reject what John says. We can ignore what John says. Or we can accept what he says. Take that message seriously, even in the face of its harshness. How can we sing it's the most wonderful time of the year when this man, this prophet, is raving against us? I think the question is just the opposite. How can we not? That is to say, when we met John last week, we affirmed our mutual call, all of us, to be prophets and messengers. It is difficult, it is risk-taking, and it is a gratifying call to tell the truth. To tell the truth when we see it, whether it be in our own lives or the life of the church or world, Our human tendency is to ignore hard truths, or to suppress them, or to de-emphasize them with a shrug of the shoulders. But I had a mechanic tell me one time that ignoring a noise in the engine won't make it go away, that a car can't fix itself. And neither can we fix ourselves without this sense of repentance, and neither can the world fix itself without someone, some community, the church even, holding up the mirror, reflecting back what is, and offering an alternative. Peace rather than war, abundance rather than scarcity, hope rather than despair, love rather than hate, life, life, life rather than death. That's the prophetic task left not just to those on the fringes of our universe and our society, but to all of us. It's about taking stock of our own lives, to be sure. Caroline Lewis writes that while we would like to imagine ourselves as altruistic and inherently generous, the truth is we might have a higher opinion of ourselves than what John the Baptist appears to see. And it's about taking stock of the life of the world, to look around, each of us and all of us, and to identify with urgency what is wrong, what is missing. Judith Jones writes that John calls his hearers to let God burn up our selfish desire to hoard our food and clothes even when our neighbor is hungry and shivering with cold. 
So friends, as we pivot toward Bethlehem, as we travel moment by moment and day by day through this season of Advent, I'd like to make a case for John the Baptist. A case for truth-telling. A case to be open to the prophetic as we live our lives and as we seek to make a difference in the world. It is countercultural work. It is never popularity contest winning work calling any group a brood of vipers. And in truth, perhaps our tactics will be different than John's. But our calling is absolutely the same. David Lowe's asks, what might happen if we pledged that in light of the world we live in, we intended to redouble our efforts to be honest, kind, and hardworking, meeting the needs of those around us, reaching out to help those who struggle, and in all these ways witness to our confidence that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection make a difference. And if we do that, I would say we move not farther from the Christmas spirit, but ever more closely and ever more deeply into it. The packages we give and the gifts we receive, the words we exchange, the bread that we break, even the music we experience will be ever more authentic when we remember and claim our calling, finding John's story in our story, to be a prophet, to be a messenger of the deepest and truest meanings of the season until the whole world sings Gloria. Amen.